Republican congressional candidate J.R. Majewski joins Shout Out Patriots to discuss how he's going to change the good old boy Republican network if he wins Ohio's Ninth Circuit race. Majewski shot to national fame last year when he painted a mammoth lawn landscape of a portrait of Donald Trump. Now, with Donald Trump's endorsement, the former nuclear energy worker seems perched to unseat Democrat Marcy Kaptur, who has held the congressional seat for nearly 40 years. All right, welcome to Shout Out Patriots. My name is Martin Moyer. I am your host, and joining us today are a number of very important guests. We have Alec Rooney, who's the news editor of Christian Action Network. Michael Moyer, who's the producer of this show. Out in Ohio, we have two guests. Our first I'm going to introduce is David Carroll, who's the chairman of the board for Christian Action Network. And finally, I'm very excited to say we have J.R. Majewski, who is a congressional candidate for the 9th Congressional District of Ohio. Welcome to the show, JR. We're excited to have you on. All right, so let's examine some of the issues that you are fighting for, JR. So on your website, you have that you are fighting for America first, protecting innocent life, protecting constitutional rights, such as the right to carry, being against political imprisonment. Maybe we come back and talk about what you mean by that and certain unconstitutional mandates, and I think we all know what that is referring to. You're for energy independence. You are pro-law enforcement and election integrity. We also probably can assume what you mean by that. My favorite, empowering parents, and we need that now more than ever. Securing America's borders, term limits, and another favorite of mine, fighting big tech by going after section 230 of the you need to take a breath for this of the communications decency act of 1996 you know when i whenever i look at this communications decency act of 1996 other than being a tongue twister it's like this was written that long ago yeah i mean when Facebook wasn't even around at that point. So I'm kind of shocked that this section was actually created long before there was this mass uh, growth of websites and certainly at that time, very limited social media out there. But anyway, you're going after that and you might want to explain uh, to our listeners and viewers exactly what that Decency Act is all about. But let's start with this um uh, protecting the constitutional rights, uh, going against political imprisonment. Now, to be fair, you were at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th, and a lot of the people that were at that rally, and we have some here that were at that rally, were eventually arrested and incarcerated, and some of them, perhaps almost all of them, with the exception of a few, are still in jail. And I guess... I think of them as political prisoners. Is that what you're referring to when you say being against political imprisonment? Yeah, absolutely. These people are being held, um, you know, as, as political prisoners. It's 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 another example of uh, the Democratic Party's um, ability and, and audacity to, um, you know, break the law and, 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 you know, take advantage of our legal system where Republicans aren't just, we just aren't doing the right things. We're, we're, we're not really standing up for these folks. And, 
it's it's sad. It's sad not only for you know the people that are suffering in these prisons, but you know it's sad for the American people to know that you know one party or the other can actually manipulate our uh, judicial process in a manner that you know allows them to capitalize on certain issues for political gain. And you know I think uh, some of our politicians have been willing to stand up and fight, and you know they make sure that they get a photo opportunity when they go to the prison, but. You know, the reality of it is, is we could be doing so much more. I mean, you know, if I had the 20 million followers that some of these folks do, I'd turn that prison parking lot into the biggest Trump rally that the country's ever seen. I'd even paint the grass. And if, if that's what it takes to, to get these people out of jail, that's what we need to do. I mean, how can we move forward as a country when there's consistent injustices? The people that supported President Trump on January 6th, the people that were brave enough to go there, take time off from their work and their families, spend their money and go there to, you know, do nothing but, you know, um, leverage their their constitutional rights and peacefully protest. And, you know, maybe some of them fell victim to groupthink and they and they went in the building. But, you know, they didn't burn cities down. Uh, the people that that committed violent crimes, I mean, you know, they've already been punished. But, you know, some of those folks were, are guilty of nothing more than trespassing. And the time that they've been held in in prison, you know, far exceeds the the punishment capable handed down by these courts. And uh, you know, we 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 as a as a party should be disgusted. And I know I am. So Alec uh, has a question for you. And in full disclosure, Alec was at the Stop the Steal rally. So Alec, what do you have for him? Yeah, we might have bumped shoulders while we were there up up against the wall of the Capitol. Yeah, we <laughs> but, could have. Uh, for the Democrats to let these, for, for the Democrats to let these people out would be to admit that there was no crime, right? And their whole narrative depends on there having been a crime on January sixth, and that's the that's the really horrible position that these people are in. I think I think to let them go would be to um, admit that there was not an insurrection. Um, as far as the crimes go, you know, I, I think there's there's definitely a basis. In, in many cases to say that, you know, these folks did commit crimes, but again, the crimes that were committed, you know, they do not warrant the, the, the treatment that these folks are receiving. I mean, every American has a right to due process and not six to eight to 10 to 20 months in jail, um, being malnourished and exposed to, you know, legitimate criminals. And, you know, I mean, look, there are, there are innocent people that, you know, have petty crimes, they go into prison waiting for their court date and they come out uh, maybe having had committed a crime because of just the culture and, you know, the, the things that they're exposed to in the prison system. And, you know, that's, that's, that's something, that's a factor that, that we don't consider. And, uh, you know, I'd hate to see these people's lives get ruined just because the Democratic Party just won't admit to the truth. And, Republicans have to stand up. That's the, at the end of the day. You can assault and batter a person and be out of jail in a couple of days. You can burn down cities too and never get charged. Uh, yeah, that's that to me is the really shocking thing. The really shocking thing is the severity of the things that the January six defendants did, as compared with the severity of things that Antifa and BLM people were doing all throughout the preceding summer, and the disparate treatment of the January 6th defendants is really, truly abysmal and shocking. It should shock all of us, not just Republicans. Obvious to everyone what's going on. Yeah, and even, you know, look at the 
the Trump rally that was what a week or two weeks before um, January sixth, um, if you recall, as all the Trump supporters started leaving the you know the the DC proper, you know there there were members of BLM and Antifa waiting for them on the fringes. They actually had a neighborhood, I believe it was called the BLM Alley or something, where you know you were warned don't go down there because their protesters are waiting, and you know they ended up assaulting a bunch of of people that were eating at restaurants or people that were were leaving the rally just by you know having just because they had a Trump shirt on or a Trump hat, and you know and there was no punishment there, and that was right in Washington D.C. Yeah, that is what inspired me to want to go um, to D.C. because. You know, I watched these innocent people getting assaulted and I just thought to myself, like, you know, watching some of these other, you know, Republicans just watching it happen, watching women and children, you know, watching elderly people, people that can't defend themselves, you know, young guys like myself watching that happen and being so intimidated. And look, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, cast blame at them or assume that anybody should you know, be another person's savior. But I just know that if had I been there, you know, I would have, I would have physically reacted and, and, and tried to prevent, you know, some of those people from getting, um, you know, beat up the way they did. I mean, it was just a shame. I remember having that exact same feeling and thinking that it was Antifa that is going, was going to be the biggest problem on January 6th, that there was going to be, you know, fighting in the streets. But there really wasn't much of that, I think, because there were just so incredibly many Trump supporters there. It was just a massive tidal wave of people well and we we saw what happened to people that actually stand up and try to help the other people in their neighborhood if uh if you reference kyle rittenhouse when he actually yeah went out to safeguard his neighborhood or a neighborhood close to his neighborhood uh he got charged with murder three counts of murder and he was in self-defense the entire time it was obvious and they smeared him. They did everything they could to get him sent away for the rest of his life, even though he was just defending himself. And uh, in, in the news and the way everybody came out and smeared him was uh, it, it made me sick. And they do it for everything. I mean, they the way that they cover Jesse Smollett and the way that they cover uh, what was that uh, race car driver with the pretend noose thing that was hanging up in the in oh, the garage yeah. Yeah, in the garage yeah. it, it's it they they take just the tiniest bit of information that they could use to their advantage and and manipulate it to the point where it's a complete lie and uh they they never have to answer for anything that they say that's wrong or uh correct themselves and that's actually something that i wanted to ask you about jr um when you uh, win and get in, uh, are you going to do what you can to hold uh, people accountable? For instance, uh, you know, when uh, Biden actually tried to, well, actually he did, um, continue this uh, eviction moratorium, knowing that the Supreme Court had already ruled it unconstitutional, are, are, are you down for holding some of these people accountable for their actions that they take as legal representation of American citizens? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I think that's what's missing. That's what's missing right now. You know, and, and, and Dave and I were talking about that, you know, during the um, you guys, you know, recovering from the, the volume issue. But, you know, one of one of the biggest challenges that I see is that Republicans find it 
very, very easy to talk about problems. Uh, where Republicans have an issue is that uh, we're not bringing solutions to the table. And when we do bring the solutions to the table, we're very tribal and secular. So you'll have a small faction of Republicans that, you know, believe in the, you know, righteous approach, the constitutional approach or the approach that, you know, satisfies their constituents. And then you have this whole entire, you know, uh, other band of Republicans that, you know, are intimidated by the national media that are, you know, scared of what their constituents are going to say because they're so out of touch with them. And, you know, they, they, they all try to rally around and, and try to come up with a consensus. But, you know, nine times out of 10, that consensus leads to no plan and no plan leads to them um, basically bending to the Democratic Party who, you know, just seems to have a plan, you know, when it comes to these things. And, and, and one of the things that I've said along my campaign trail is that if you stick 12 Democrats in a room and you leave them there for four days, when you come back and they, they leave that room, they found a way to put all of our children in masks they found a way to convince that girls that they're boys and boys that they're girls, and they find a way to, to you know, force vaccinate an entire population almost. You stick 12 Republicans in a room and you come back four days later, and when you open that door, all you hear about are the complaints on how hard it was, how they didn't get enough good food, and then you'll have a couple that stand out that want to go sell a t-shirt, write a book, or start a website to talk about how tough that four days was. I mean, that's the distinct difference between the Republicans and the Democrats right now. And I'm not talking, you know, in general terms. There are some Republicans that, to me that stand out as, you know, uh, uh, lone wolves that are trying to do the right thing by their constituents. But, you know, for the most part, you know, you could, you could pile us together party to party and you see essentially the same results because we are not aligned. We are not aligned as a party. And... That's going to end in 22. I'm telling you, there's a new wave of candidates like myself that are just sick and tired of it. All right, I want to talk about this for a second before we stray too far from our topic about the prosecution and incarceration of the January 6th protesters. Uh, because uh, a couple of Mondays ago, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot sent out this tweet to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community. The Supreme Court is coming for us next. This moment has to be a call to arms. We will not surrender our rights without a fight, a fight to victory. Now, where is the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force that has, you know, been focusing on mega supporters? Where are they at when you have a mayor of a city come out and actually call for a group of individuals to take up arms against what appears to be the Supreme Court of the United States? This one-sided justice that is going on in this country where the laws only apply to conservatives and what they view as mega supporters. However, if you're a liberal, those same laws that are on the books, somehow do not apply to you. This is getting crazy. And I can see people becoming rather, uh, let's see, um, what I'm going to say, rather extreme in their response to a country that is only one-sided and the blind lady is no longer blind, but can only see crimes being committed by one side of the aisle, while the other can burn down cities, can call people to arms, can threaten innocent civilians, can go into colleges and disrupt meetings and shut them down, uh, can throw Molotov cocktails at police cars and pretty much get by with it. And, and 
their leaders actually called for arms to be taken up against the United States Supreme Court. This is crazy. Someone in Congress has to start pointing this out and start uh, holding other members of Congress accountable for their lack of participation and getting the Justice Department to be fair and equal when they prosecute individuals in this country. No, I agree. We have a we have a two-tiered justice system. And, you know, one of the reasons that we have that is because the Republican Party is allowing it to happen. For example, you had Antifa members burning down cities, and what happened? Kamala Harris and other Democrats were bailing these folks out, right? You have people that uh, innocently protested in Jan- you know, during January 6th, and, you know, they're in jail. Are any Republicans paying for their bail? No. I mean, that that's where it starts. Our representatives are not, you know, we have to fight fire with fire to a certain degree, you know, so long as it's legal, ethical, and, and, and principally driven. But there's no reason why some of these Republican uh, uh, congressmen and women couldn't go in and, and, and fight to pay bail for, you know, their constituents that are that are being imprisoned in D.C. If, if they're up for that bail. But, you know, that, that that's not what Republicans are, are willing to do at this point. At least it doesn't seem that way. And what that does is that encourages these uh, our, our Democratic uh, uh, leaders or elected officials, for, for that matter, to, to behave this way because they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it time and time again. There's no accountability. And, you know, we're, we're, as long as we stand around and complain about it and we, again, don't offer solutions or don't bring solutions, um, th- this is what's going to continue to happen. Right. And this kind of highlights one of the, in my view, one of the biggest problems with American politics today is that people do not participate in the primaries. Uh, and I think if people were to uh, participate in this process, we would have actually a lot better Republican candidates like yourself. What do you think actually helped you uh, get over the hump and win your primary? Well, number one, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I threw my name in the hat when the district was not favorable to Republicans. And, uh, you know, I started my race in April of last year. And, you know, when uh, the district line changed and the fair weather Republicans decided to, to step into the race, I made sure that everybody knew about it. I made sure that everybody was aware that, you know, I was the one brave enough to jump in. And uh, that resonated with people because, you know, right now, issues on a national stage, issues in D.C., they require Republicans not only that have conservative values, but are brave enough to see them through. And, you know, if, if you're willing to uh, to risk your career and take a huge pay cut like me and, and, and go out and fight a Democrat when, you know, the, the political pundits say you have no chance in hell of winning, but you're still willing to do that. Uh, I think that 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 speaks volumes and people didn't forget it. They they certainly didn't forget it. Well, I'm happy to see that uh, people actually voted for you and that uh, there's a chance that we are actually going to have somebody that is America first, more more America first uh, congressmen and just people in government in general is going to be a, is going to be a good thing for America. Well, I'm excited that there are there's a number of a growing number of members of Congress that's willing to take on big tech. I would like to see them do it other than just mouth the words we want to hear, but actually do something about it. We know that uh, Republicans have been talking for quite some time about amending or doing away with Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. And what that act does, if I get this wrong, please correct me, but it allows, well, we'll just up Facebook here allows Facebook to say that you cannot sue us 
for any derogatory or the defamatory comments made on our website uh, because we are a social media platform. On the other hand, uh, in order to comply with that law, it also means you're not allowed to censor anybody on that platform because why would you since you cannot be sued by anything anybody says on that platform? So Facebook wants to have it both ways. Yep. They want to be able to say, we can censor what you put up on our platform. And by the way, we also cannot be sued by anything that people put up on the platform. And that's why people want to remodify, do away with Section 230. That's going to be, I mean, you get uh, Democrats and Republicans both coming out saying that this section needs to be rewritten, modified, or just thrown out altogether. And with this battle against big tech, which is definitely suppressing conservative voices around the country, uh, it, it's dear to hearts of groups like Christian Action Network because we have seen our website traffic basically plummet to almost nothing from where it used to be. And it's shocking at how efficient Google, Facebook, Twitter, all these mega social media groups are and making sure YouTube, I'll throw that one in there, make sure that your voice is not heard. And one of the ways to end that is to get rid of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. It's, do you think of all these issues that I've listed or it's listed on your website, uh, how important is that one among the others? I know this is a tough choice, right? Yeah, it's pretty high on my list. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we're going to see um, a, a band of, of new wave Republicans that, you know, are going to definitely go after 230, and I'm going to be part of that. But you know, I really think my my strong point is going to be energy independence, but also, you know, like I say on my website, eradicating the establishment. Um, the Republican Party, in my opinion, is 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 probably our number one enemy at this point. I mean, we're raunch with lifetime politicians that are looking to you know further their own personal endeavors, and they're using taxpayer dollars, and they're you know they're they're standing on our backs to do so. And you know, we need to have Republicans in in Congress that aren't going to sell their votes to lobbyists and, and party leaders. And uh, we need uh, legislators that are going to uh, uh, push for single issue bills and, and not accept earmarks. Um, we need to understand what we're voting on. We understand, we need to understand every part of it and we need to be uh, cognizant. We need, need to be able to speak on these issues, you know, without uh, the, the crutch that many of our politicians have in their staff. I mean, you know, being a professional in the nuclear power industry, there's been, you know, a lot of times in my career where I've, you know, reviewed the equivalent of, of what we would call our laws internally. And uh, I would never sign a procedure or a process if I didn't read and understand it. And as a matter of fact, you know, I had to initial every page before I signed the back of the document. And I think that that's the, uh, the type of behavior we need to deploy in, in Congress. But as far as Section 230 goes, you know, um, it's it's a it's a direct assault on our on our free speech, and I think we need to hold not only social media accountable, but I think we need to go after the mainstream media and the propaganda wings that they've been deploying over the past few years. We need to really rein that in. The American people need to uh, be able to turn on the news and actually get news, not opinion pieces. And if they're opinion pieces, they need to be labeled as such. And the American public needs to know that when they're being fed, you know, the, those two. Uh, different streams of information. Let me go back to something you just said, because it sounds like 
you do not agree with Nancy Pelosi when she claims we have to pass the bill before we know what's in it. No, not at all. Not at all. And another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure we uh, we uh, steal Nancy Pelosi's bottle of Crown Royal every morning before she gets to drinking on the floor. And, you know, maybe she'll be a little bit more comprehensive and, and understandable when she's, you know, beating that gavel that she likes to beat so well. <laughs> all right. I think that's about as much time as we have for this episode of Shout Out Patriots. JR, it was a thrill and a real privilege to have you joining our show. And I hope that you'll come back and join us again. And we certainly hope that when you win your election, that you will certainly come back and talk to our listeners and viewers and tell them what it's like now that you are seated inside the United States Congress and not just on the outside with the fear of getting arrested at a rally and being imprisoned. So <laughs> anyway, thanks again for being on our show. For people who are watching us and listening in, be sure to hit the subscribe button and so that you are notified when our new episodes are released. And thanks for uh, joining us in this episode. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.